Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media where I'll include their links in the show notes. All right, guys, here we are, episode 21. Um, I'm super excited to be back on the microphone. Um, I'm going out of town today, so I thought I would go ahead and get one pre-recorded for you. I just recorded yesterday, episode 20 dropped yesterday, and I was watching the downloads and they were going through the roof. You guys kick ass. Thank you for supporting this. I cannot tell you how much it means to me. I know I know where I'm always talking about that, but it it's crazy, man. When you think about a lot of folks, I think a lot of times and I'm I'm certainly the same way. We think about wanting to do things different in our life and make a change and do things that interest us. I think the hardest part, it's not doing it. It's getting started. It's the initial step. It's that step into the unknown. It's the what ifs, right? You, you, you start thinking, what if this doesn't work? What if I, I can't um, get to where I want to go? And I don't think we ask ourselves the right what ifs. What if this shit does work? What if this is what leads me to a better life? What if this makes me feel whole? What if? This brings me purpose. And the hardest part is just getting started, man. It's it's killing the doubt within. I've always been like that. I've always um I don't I, ever since I've been a young man or ever since I was a young man, I never let fear and I think this is a testament to my father. I never let fear control me. I never let the fact that I may not be able to do something dictate the outcome of anything including my life if that you know you know what I mean so if I wanted to do something I was going to do it and I never sat around and thought of the what ifs because my my philosophy is this we can talk ourselves out of anything all you need is one reason to do something one but we will come up with 10 million reasons why we shouldn't and one thing I hate is when other people start injecting their bullshit into why you shouldn't do something. I can't stand that. If you can't support what somebody else is wanting to do and do it from a positive um, outlook, don't fucking say anything. I'll hear somebody come up with an idea and immediately other people start telling them why it wouldn't work. And usually if you look at those people, they're the ones that don't have shit going on in their life anyway. The last people you want to take some fucking advice from are usually the first ones to give the fucking advice. 
I know speaking from a personal um, point of view, anytime I start a project, I, I immediately start looking for the finish line, right? Because I want to, I want to see where I'm going. I want to see that final product. I want to see the fruits of my labor before I even do the labor. And sometimes that's the hard part for me. But if you think about it, the labor, the journey is, is the most interesting part of all of it. And I still, it's a perspective thing, like based on the last, uh, last episode, you know, you got to put things in perspective. So I can, I can tell you my, my comedy journey. And again, I don't pretend to be some household name, but I did very well with comedy over the years. And I'm extremely proud of what I was able to accomplish. But I look back on it and where I sit now, I'm just here. I did all these cool things, but I didn't appreciate the journey when I was on the journey. I was fighting so hard tooth and nail that I was getting through this event, getting through that event, on to the next event, flying in this plane, landing in this airport, meeting this group of wonderful people, and now it was all just a blur to me. And it's experiences that a lot of them that I've forgotten because there's so many stacked on top of one another. And I just didn't take it and absorb it all. And if, if I had any advice to give anybody, if I had any advice to give to a young Travis, I'd go all the way back to my days when I went into the Marine Corps. Because the Marine Corps was tough as shit. And I know a lot of us when we were in there, we were like, man, I can't wait for these four years to be up. Granted, we signed up for it. But it was so fucking hard that when you were in it, you just wanted it to be over. And I would give anything to go back and tell that 18-year-old Travis, look, slow down. Enjoy the journey. I remember being overseas and my father wrote me a letter. Where I wrote to him, this is obviously back before email, and you actually had to wait for a fucking letter. And I wrote to him and I was telling him that I could not wait to get home and to get out and just you know get on with my life. Granted, I love the Marine Corps, but I was ready for that next adventure. But I wasn't fully absorbing the current the adventure that I was on. I look back at my life, the coolest things I ever did in my life was in the United States Marine Corps. The most wonderful, amazing people I ever met in my life was in the United States Marine Corps. And I blinked and it was gone. And I can't do it anymore. I can't get I don't get to hang out from underneath fucking helicopters on a cable flying three, five hundred feet above the fucking surface anymore. We don't get to repel off of buildings and off of cranes and out of the back of helicopters anymore. We don't get to go out into the fucking woods and out into the desert with the best friends that you'll ever make in your life and lay there and look at some of the most beautiful fucking sights and stars that you'll ever see. Some of the most beautiful sunsets and sunrises. I'll never get those again. Not in those, not in that current environment or not in that environment. You'll never get that again. And so when you don't fully immerse yourself and absorb it, you lose it. And it's just a, it's just gone forever. And so I remember getting this letter from my dad. And my dad, probably the wisest words he ever spoke to me. And I, got, I have this letter somewhere. He says, son, slow down and enjoy your time. He says, because before you know it, you will have been out for 30 years, just like me. And my dad was out of the military for 30 years at, at that point. And you know what? I've already been out of the military 21 fucking years. And he was right. And it flashed by. 
And I did that with a, with a big port, excuse me, a big part of my life. And I still do that at 43. And now I know I'm not an old man, but I feel like an old man. I'm definitely an old soul. I feel like a 95 year old man because of the fast life that I've lived. And a lot of times I wish that I had the adventures that I once had when I was a police officer, when I was a fireman, when I was bartending for a fucking side money, when I owned a limousine company at 27 years old, running five full-time limousines out of the fire station, the experiences that I had, whoo boy, I could never talk about. I can't even, can't put it in a book, can't put it in words on here. Holy shit, the excitement. But I'm telling you, I personally didn't just sit back and enjoy it. I was always worried about the next thing, the next hurdle in front of me, the next obstacle. And especially in my comedy career, 14 years on the road doing comedy, I've been all over this world many times over, all over this country many times over. And I never just sat back and took it in. And I'm trying to do that now. Now that I'm speaking all over the country and I'm doing these courses on mental wellness, resiliency, and leadership, I'm doing these keynote presentations, I'm trying to slow down now. And I think that's as we get older, obviously we get a little bit wiser because I know the clock is running out more so now than ever. And I, I want to enjoy these experiences. And there's an, there's an old saying that I thought I used to live by, but I never did. It's called 200 feet at a time. Live your life 200 feet at a time. And what that means is, and I may have said this on other podcasts, if you start a road trip in Los Angeles and you're driving to New York, one one that tells me you're liberal as fuck because you're coming from a liberal city going to a liberal city. So fuck, you know what? Fuck that. Let's say you're going from goddamn Amarillo, Texas to my hometown, Bluffton, South Carolina. There, that's more fucking like it. And you start out in the middle of the night. You can't see the final destination. You can Your headlights will only shine about 200 feet at a time. You can't see the entire trip in front of you. But enjoy those that, that 200 feet that your headlights are showing you. And when you get 200 feet, enjoy the next 200 feet. And the next 200 feet. Because I promise you folks, at the end of, this, end of that journey, you're going to look back. And you're not going to remember shit if you're just focusing on the on the end game. Which brings me to my topic today. The topic and the title of this podcast is an old Vietnam saying. And me and a buddy of mine have been saying this for, for many years. We made fun of it because the old Vietnam guys used to say it. It don't mean nothing. And we used to say that 10 years ago. It don't mean nothing. And we were just making fun of the old Vietnam guys. But they had it right. In my mind, they had it right. Take a look around you. None of this means anything. All of this shit is coming to an end. All of it. The bills you have to pay. The stress that that causes. The relationships that you've damaged or that have damaged you. The cars you drive the boats that you may have, the house you have, trying to impress other people. It don't mean nothing. None of it. Johnny Cash said it right. Everything goes away in the end. And I thought about that. You know what does mean something? The only one thing in the world that does mean something, that's your fucking happiness. 
That's the only thing that means something. So while you're here, pull your head out of your ass, stop feeling sorry for yourself, and live your goddamn life. That's the only thing that we that we actually have that's tangible. It's our happiness. And nine times out of ten, we're in control of that. We choose to be upset. We choose to let bills stress us out. We choose to have an attitude towards somebody we don't like, which is usually over some trivial bullshit. We choose to get upset in traffic and let that ruin our day. We choose when we're not treated appropriately in a business or we think we should be put on a pedestal, we choose to let our pride get in the way and control our day. That just happened to me today. I had to make a conscious effort and a conscious decision to keep my fucking mouth shut and it took extreme discipline, discipline that I would not have had a decade ago. Shit, discipline that I would not have had five years ago. Fuck, honestly, discipline I wouldn't have had a year ago. Let me tell you how it don't mean nothing. If you say that out loud, say it out loud one time. It don't mean nothing. You got to mean it. You got to put some bass in your voice too. <laughs> it don't mean nothing because it don't. None of this means shit. Let me tell you how that saying completely changed my day for the better today. I didn't say it out loud. This is what happened. I go to get my hair cut because I, you know, I get my, um, I'll get my hair done at a, at a very high end salon called, um, sport clips. And usually you get the, um, the stylist that is, um, usually either not high on methamphetamine that day because she showed up to work. Um, but I've had some, I've had some pretty rough ones. Um, so anyway, you ever been to sport clips? You know what I'm talking about. I'm not saying all of them are like that, but God damn it. I travel around the country and sometimes I got to get my hair cut. And every time I'm like, can we go back to the mask policy? Because where are your damn teeth? You know what I mean? Hey, if that hurts your feelings, guess what? It don't mean nothing. Take your feelings, ball them up, stick them in your own ass. Okay? Because seriously, we're getting too soft. It don't mean nothing. I love it. I'm. Y'all think I'm fucking around. That's my new slogan. I'm going to tell you what happened. I've been going to this same sport clips for years. I probably, I don't know, probably five years. And uh, every time I leave there, it costs me 28 bucks to get my hair cut. After, you know, a little haircut and a tip. Shit, it might be 32 now. I can't remember. But I go in there. I get my hair cut. It's real quick. It's real simple and easy. I sit down, get my hair cut, talk to the people, have a good time, and I leave. Well, today I just got out of the gym and I went there and I sat down. I was waiting. Then I stood up and I started walking towards the back, towards the restroom. I had to pee. And uh, one of the stylists approached me. She goes, can I help you? And she cut me off. And I said, oh, I'm going to the restroom. And she goes, oh, sir, our restrooms are closed. And that right there made my fucking blood boil. I didn't just come in off the street. I'm a paying customer. I'm not going in your fucking bathroom to shoot up heroin. I'm not going in there to to put graffiti on your walls. I'm a paying customer at your establishment. It wasn't that their restroom was broken. They're not allowing people in there because of COVID. Mind you, they're not they're in there not wearing masks, cutting fucking people's hair with no masks, but you can't go pee in their toilet. And I it took everything I had to control what I wanted to say. I wasn't going to be a dick. 
But I was going to say something, and I thought about it. I go, you know what? It don't mean nothing. Because no matter what I say, it's not going to help this situation. If I say something and they come back with anything other than, you know what? You're right. Go pee. You know that's not going to happen. I don't pee. I'm a man. I piss. Let me take that back. I actually sit down to pee. I think I've told you all that before. Not not obviously in a, in a commercial setting, but at home I get comfortable. I, I pull my drawers all the way down to the floor and I sit down and I pee. And I, I enjoy it. I've been doing it since I was 30. I got really drunk when I was 30 one time. And uh, I was standing there peeing with my hand on the wall. And I was peeing for like 10 minutes, it felt like. drunk Guys, you know what I'm talking about when you get drunk and it just you just pee forever. And I just said, fuck it. I was like, today I'm a little bitch. And I pulled my pants down. I call them... Now that's why I call my, my underwear panties now because I just turned into a girl overnight and I just pull my drawers down to the floor, put my little panties down and I sit there and I pee and, uh, you guys with, they're getting a little older. You know what I'm talking about? When your danglers drip in the water, you got to hold them up. You got to do that J hook. And I think I've talked about that on podcast. You got to reach down, hook up your danglers and, uh, so they don't go in the water that, or you got to get a ball snorkel and put a snorkel on your balls. Um, anyhow, what I'm getting at. Is this? Stop laughing, you sick fucks. Listen. No matter what I said was going to going to help that situation, so I said it don't mean nothing in in my in my mind. Now that would, she would have thought I was crazy if I looked at her and said it don't mean nothing. She, like she would probably kick me out. Like oh my gosh, this guy's going about to go crazy. But I said that, and honestly, you know what happened? Nothing. I got a good haircut. I got me some new beard wax, and I left. Nobody's feelings were hurt, and most of all, my blood pressure didn't go up. I controlled it. That was me controlling my pride. That's the only thing that was making me want to jump out of my skin was pride. And that, that is what fucks a lot of people up. You know that show, uh, that movie Pulp Fiction, when the guy said, that's pride fucking with you. Marcellus Wallace. That's one of the most truest or most true, however you do it, you English majors, statements I've ever heard in my life. That's pride fucking with you. How many of you, because of pride, be honest with yourself have ruined a relationship, have even ruined your own day because of your own selfish pride. I got my hand up. Prides have started wars. Pride has killed people. Pride has ruined careers. Pride has ruined relationships for both men and women. I see it all the time. People and their pride. Somebody will get so mad in a car they flip somebody off. That's pride. Oh my God, you got in front of me. How fucking dare you? I just saw the news this morning. I was on the treadmill at a gym. Mama in California flipped somebody off in traffic. He got out and shot the car. It went through the car and killed the kid. I'm not putting blame on anybody. But that's pride. And pride is the reason that that boy got killed. That little six-year-old boy. That's what I'm talking about. Fuck your pride. It's, I don't care about pride anymore. I was a very proud man for many my whole life. And it's just now when I'm getting into my mid-40s where I realize this is all stupid. It don't mean nothing. Next time, I encourage you. I was just on a friend on the phone with my friend Randy. And I told him, I was like, dude, I'm so jacked up. I'm going to go in here and record an It Don't Mean Nothing episode. And he was telling me, he says, you know what? The next time I get upset, which will probably be very soon because he's doing some stressful shit right now. He goes, I'm going to say that to myself and I guarantee you it's going to work. And I said, I know, I know it's going to work because when I walked in the door, I was on the phone with him, that new puppy that we just got. 
ate my daughter's brand new fucking binoculars. And I walked in and I looked at her and I looked at the goddamn dog and I go, it don't mean nothing. And I'm in a good mood. Y'all think I'm bullshitting. It don't need nothing. We got to bring it back. Show some love to our Vietnam guys. They damn sure didn't get it after that. That wasn't their fault. That was our fucking government. But don't even get me started down that road. Here we go. Y'all ready? We're going to get into this episode some more. Uh, I want to talk about peer support. I got a request for uh, from an Instagram follower asking if I could touch on peer support. Now, a lot of you that may not be in the emergency services, I don't know if you're familiar with peer support. Peer support, like critical incident stress management teams or debriefing teams, however, whatever acronym you want to use, SISM, um, to sum that up. These peer support programs and uh, prospective departments are a very, very important and intricate um, entity in the emergency services. And what they do is they offer support for members of their department and surrounding departments who have been exposed to traumatic incidents. And that's not all they do. I mean, they, they cover an, an array of things, but I'm going to speak about it from a, a trauma standpoint. I've never been on a peer support team. Um, I'm kind of like a one-man peer support team. I kind of put myself out there, and people reach out to me all the time. And behind the scenes, I try to do anything that I can to put them in communication with the appropriate um, entity because I'm not a professional. I'm not a prof- licensed professional. I'm not a licensed doctor. I'm not a licensed psychologist. I'm not even a licensed peer support member. So I got to be very, very careful. People will seek out advice from me all the time. And I tell them, look, I can hear what you're saying, but I cannot offer you any advice because anything you do after we communicate, that's on me. So I got to be very careful. Um, But what I've had people reach out who do not know, like from, uh, from rural communities or whatnot, they've told me, we don't, we don't have that. What, what do I do? And so that's when I say, hold tight. Let me see through my connections what we can do and try to figure something out to get you in touch with the right people. And it's a lot of behind-the-scenes work, but it's worth every fucking second of it. Um, these peer support people are very, very special people. I was just uh, – I've done work with uh, – one team that's very special to me is the Jacksonville SISM unit, and that's the Critical Incident Stress Management Team. They have a uh, the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office in Florida. I've been down several times. I've spoken with them. And uh, – their, their sergeant over there who's just promoted to lieutenant is a very special friend of mine. I uh, met her when I was speaking to um, the National Fraternal Order of Police Wellness Conference in Nashville uh, two years ago. And she brought me down to Jacksonville, and I talked to those that group of special police officers. Now, these officers, they're, they're police officers. They do their job. And then what happens is when there's a critical incident, an officer involved shooting anything, um, a traumatic call, a, a baby getting thrown off of a fucking bridge. Um, I mean, I hate to use that, but 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 it happens. Um, those officers are called to the scene or are called to the responding officers that have to go to that, and they try to get in front of it before they get behind it. That's my big thing is we try to get in front of trauma before we get behind it because when you're trying to catch up with trauma, that's a, that's a long road to hoe, and that is an uphill battle I promise you don't want. And that's why I highly encourage people, even if you're not having problems with some of the stuff you've seen and had to experience, go talk to somebody, especially if those fucking resources are paid for from your department, 
Go talk to somebody. You'd be surprised at what's hiding in the dark corners of your mind that you don't even know. I didn't realize when I didn't realize a lot of the stuff I was going through when I started seeking help finally many years ago. And when I got in there, I would talk about things that I thought I'd forgotten about or that I had did forget about, excuse me. And there's all kinds of screwy shit going on in your mind that you don't you really don't even have a clue about. So hats off to peer support programs and I I say this, we can all be a peer support member. You don't even have to be in the military, you don't have to be in emergency services, okay? You can be a civilian working a normal job. All it means is support your peers. That's it. It's that fucking simple. We know signs, we know symptoms. This crosses over into the civilian world too. You know when people aren't aren't right. Take a little time out of your day, put your goddamn phone down and ask. You okay? Is there anything you want to talk about? Maybe I don't understand what you're going through, but do you need an ear? Do you need a shoulder? You'd be surprised at what people are dying inside to just tell one person. One person. And you might just be able to save somebody's fucking life by being the one person who gives a shit. That's if you can put your phone down and stop scrolling long enough. You know, I realize in emergency services that you can't save everybody. It's just impossible. We do help a lot of people. And you don't have to be in the emergency services and military to help people. You can still help people outside of that. But just understand, you're not always going to help every single person you try to help. There's going to be some that slip through. And I'll tell you right now, those are usually the ones you remember. You don't remember all the people you help over the years. You do remember the ones you couldn't. And that's a shitty feeling. And that's where, um, with me, uh, survivor's guilt, I had a, I had a topic request come through on Instagram about survivor's guilt. And I'm pretty sure that the, the gentleman that sent that in probably has a touch of it, if not a lot of it. And that's why he wants to hear about it. And I'll, I'll talk about a little bit of my personal survivor's guilt um, here in a few days. In eight days will be June 18th, 2021. And that'll be the 14-year anniversary of our fire in Charleston, South Carolina that killed nine of my brother, firefighters. I think, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you're this deep in, you know I was a part of that fire. You know that I was on the body recovery team of, of my brothers. All of those people that that died that evening, I knew very personally. Um, you, if you haven't watched the podcast that I've been on, I'm, I'm not going to dive off the cliff here and go go that deep because that's that is very very difficult stuff to talk about but i'm gonna tell you this i out of all of the traumatic exposure that i had over the years from just name it i'm not getting into a list of it that was the one event i talk about this in my course in my course i offer there's a there's a topic in there called your tipping point and the tipping point is a part in your career a point in your life you can put a finger on that, that sends you over the edge. And not everybody not everybody can pinpoint their tipping point, and that's okay. I just happened to know what my tipping point was, and it was that night. And it was that night putting all of my friends into body bags, looking at, looking at their burnt, charred corpses that we couldn't even identify. I mean, we, we, we did identify them, but it was very, very difficult, and I'm not going to get into detail, but... 
that's the that's the first time in my life I regretted being alive. And it I don't know when it when it actually sank in. It wasn't long after that, I think because the shock you the shock has to wear off first. And then the reality, and once the reality sets in, that's when it gets gets really bad. And after that initial shock wore off, I remember just feeling guilty for even breathing. And if you've ever if you've ever I don't even know how to phrase it. If you've never felt like that, good. I hope you never do. Because when you feel guilty for simply just breathing air, you you got, you have a fucking problem. And if you're listening right now and, and you've ever felt like that and you haven't sought help, I'm telling you right now, turn this fucking podcast off. It can wait. Find your resources available and go get help right now. Because it is dangerous. That is one of the most dangerous things in the world. You start having suicide ideation. And what a suicide ideation is, is having suicidal thoughts. It doesn't mean that you're contemplating, but it means like you can see yourself in different ways, dead. And I went through that for well over a decade where I would just see myself dead. Outside of, outside of my body, I would visualize myself dead in all these different scenarios, wherever I was. I mean, it was it was insane. And you start living in a very very, very dark world. What happens is you think you don't deserve to be alive, but I'm here to tell you, you do. And I can tell you just through my personal story, it took me a lot to overcome all of this. It took me a lot to overcome the fact that, Hey, look, I deserve to be exactly where the fuck I am today. And I deserve to be healthy. Am I always healthy? No. Am I always um, happy? Fuck no. But I deserve to be living my best life until, until my clock runs out, whenever the hell that is. And so do you, there's no event in your life that can happen where you don't deserve to be alive. You're put here for a reason. I firmly believe that every, every swinging dick, not all, not all dicks are swinging. Um, every single person has a purpose. How, however trivial, however large we all have a purpose. And, I truly think it's a blessing to have each day that we do have and to maximize that day. That's where, that's why on the um, previous episodes where I talk about, I actually feel guilty now. It's the opposite. I feel guilty now if I'm not making the most of the life that I have available, where for over a decade, I felt guilty for being alive. Now it's the opposite. If I don't make the most of every day that's given to me, I feel like a piece of shit. That's why I can't sit idle for five minutes. I feel like, all right, that's five minutes of my life I don't get back, and I need to maximize that five minutes. All my brothers were killed right in front of us. And they wouldn't want us sitting around, sulking. Poor, poor me. I don't deserve to be here. You know what I mean? They went out like fucking warriors. They didn't die in a nursing home eating fucking pudding with some some goddamn nurse beating them, wiping their ass. They went out like warriors. And that's a that's perspective. You have to look at that. They did what they, they did at doing what they loved. That's 10 times better than dying doing what you fucking despise. Could you imagine despising going and sitting in a fucking cubicle all day? And a copy of machine falls on your fucking head. And that's how you go out. Or do you want to go out like a fucking warrior? That's how I look at things now. 
And I think it takes going through some shitty life experiences and it takes that turbulent time frame, however long it or short it may be for some people to put things in perspective, making the most of the time we're given. Cause you know what? It don't mean nothing. None of this shit does. What's the one thing that means something? Say it out loud. Your happiness. That's right. That's the one thing. And you all deserve it. Everybody. So what's stopping us from going and getting that? I'll tell you what's stopping us from going and getting that happiness that we deserve. A bunch of shit that don't mean nothing. You know, I sit around. I always, I'm I'm very selective of the information that, that, that I do put out. Very, very selective. I try not to put, um, too much out there, but I'll tell you, I've been, I'm very responsible with finances. I've always been very extremely responsible. I'm not, this isn't me putting myself on a, on a pedestal. So don't take it that way. What I'm getting at is I find it very hard sometimes to spoil myself or my family. I've done a lot of things out of desperation. I've uh, bought things out of desperation because at that time frame in my life, I was clinging to hope and I was wanting to um, not be in this world anymore. And I was trying to find any little thing that would pique my interest to keep me busy. And that's exactly what I was doing. I was buying my own time by certain purchases that I would make. All right. But that time is now gone. I'm no longer in, in, in that. I'm, I'm still fucked up, but not that way. All right. I'm not buying time anymore. Now I'm trying to prioritize time. And, the, and the, one of the battles that I fight a lot is, all right, I kind of want to, I'll tell you, here's a personal thing. I grew up on boats. Okay. I grew up in Bluffton, South Carolina. We're surrounded by water. I went to Hilton Head High School. It's an island. Um, 200 kids in my class. I was ranked 198. So I was second to dumbest. All right. I'll give a fuck. Y'all think what you want. I think y'all know me by now. I ain't trying to impress anybody. <laughs> so I was second to dumbest. Um, but I did pretty well for myself after that. And I'm a firm believer in, I know I'm going to get, I'm going to catch a lot of shit for this. I don't believe in school. I don't believe in, I don't believe in college. I don't, I'm not knocking it. But it's not my thing. It's not, I'm not going to press my kids that, hey, you have to go to college. That's your life goal. Higher education is great, but I do think higher education is a big business as well. I have run into a shit ton of people with college degrees that can't even wipe their ass with that college degree. I'm not saying a college degree is bad, but I'm not going to make my kids spend four years of their life doing something that's going to put them in a box. There's some degrees out there that they will put your life in a box and then you become dependent on other people, other human beings, other organizations, other businesses, because you are so specialized that you can't do anything else. I look at it the complete opposite way. If you want to go get an education, fine, go get your education, but do not put yourself in a fucking box. Learn things as you're growing up, learn trades, learn skills to where you don't have to depend on a piece of paper. And other people at the top of some organization looking at you, telling you, you can't do something. I have been an entrepreneur my entire life. My entire life. As a, as a young kid, I, I found ways to make money. I, I fucking work for no man. That's my, 
that's my mantra. And I haven't, obviously, look, I'm not a Fortune 500 company. I'm just a one-man show over here. But I promise you this, I wake up every day and you know what I am? F-R-E-E. I'm free as fuck. And that's what I want my kids to be. I'm getting sidetracked. but So what I, what I was trying to tell you is, so I grew up in, um, in boats. My dad always had a boat when I was a little boy. We'd go out. Um, we'd go skiing. We'd go fishing. We'd go shrimping at night on school nights. I'd show up to school. Uh, the next day after being out shrimping with my father, earning a little extra side hustle money. Um, and I learned a little bit of hustle from him. Uh, the teachers would call home and they're like, your son can't stay awake in class and blah, 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 blah. And my dad would get on to me. My mom would get on to me. And I'm sitting there like, God damn, I was out till three in the morning with dad shrimping. I had two fucking hours of sleep, you know. But what I what I'm getting at is this. I love boats, but I can't bring myself to buy a boat and I deserve a damn boat. My family deserves a boat. Listen to where I live. I live a mile from the beach in Charleston. We are surrounded by water here. Okay. My, my farm has rivers near it, has lakes near it, and I could take my boat there too. But I get stuck just like everybody else. Is it a responsible decision for me to go out and do that? Because I, too, have bills. I, too, have overhead. I, too, have responsibilities and obligations. But then I think about that saying, it don't mean nothing. The only thing that matters is our happiness. Now, I haven't put myself in a situation where if I go get a boat, it's going to make me homeless. My kids aren't going to eat or anything. I've been very responsible. I could go do that. And fuck, you know what? I might go buy a goddamn boat as soon as I fucking get off of here. Because you know what? It don't mean nothing. What happens What happens when I hit stop on this and I upload it? And I walk out the door and, and, and a fucking tree limb falls on my head. Well, I just saved money that left to my family for not buying a boat. I hope, Does this make sense? Or am I just rambling? I feel like if you're in a position and I guess I'm if you're in a position to do good things for yourself and to and to buy yourself a little of happiness and enjoyment, I'm saying responsibly, go do it. You're you're never the timing is never going to be right. This is one thing I've learned in life. It's never going to be the right time for anything. You hear people, well, we're saving up for this. We're saving up for that. The timing is not going to be right. Blah 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 blah. Fuck the timing. Now, if you're in if you're in debt up to your eyeballs, I wouldn't recommend this. I'm not recommending go out and get in, in in further debt. But what I am recommending, if you're not in debt up to your eyeballs and you have some flexibility in your budget, what, what are you waiting for to do some of the shit that you want to do? Because the time is never going to be right. I'm not fucking Dave Ramsey. All right, I'm not pretending to be that guy. I'm not selling you guys um, this financial. Uh, wisdom that because I mean obviously that guy's a lot smarter than me I'm not telling you to put money in a goddamn envelope and do without for the rest of your life but I do know some people that do the Dave Ramsey program and I'm sitting here watching them and I'm like dude you realize you could die in fucking two years or you can get killed in a car wreck today and you motherfuckers are stacking money in a goddamn envelope hiding it in your drawer not living your best life for what we spend so much time planning for the future that we do not enjoy the present. 
And nine times out of ten, we're planning for the fucking nursing home. I don't know about y'all, but I don't really give a shit about shit in my pants and eating pudding. I really don't. That's why I want to live for now. And I want to find some joy in this life now. Because you know what? It don't mean nothing. Again, I hope this episode made sense because I did get on a little tangent. But passionate about this stuff, man. I'm passionate about seeing people live their best life. Fuck, I'm passionate about living my best life. That's why when I, when I, actually, I got, I got some chores to do. Check this out. When I leave here, I was on Instagram live this morning and I had, I had to send out a few, um, autograph books and I always like doing that because when people want, you know, something personalized by, by me, it's, it's, it's kind of a special feeling. I like doing it. Um, they can go to Amazon and get, get my books all day. But when they come to me, I tell them, I'm like, look, they're, they're a little more costly through me based on wherever you live, because logistically I don't have a warehouse sitting there ready to ship stuff. I actually have to go buy a bunch of packages and have them sitting here for when people request the signed copies of my book. And then I have to go battle this fucking drawbridge that goes over to Sullivan's Island from Mount Pleasant where I live. And I I feel like we're living in the 1800s. They rebuilt this fucking drawbridge y'all. And I don't know why they, they tore the old one down, rebuilt one just like it. And anytime a sailboat comes through, which is all day, every day, they open it and they back up traffic. I don't understand why a boat has the right of way over a goddamn cars, especially in this place where there's a never ending line of traffic. So you have to time it perfectly. And I don't go to the Mount Pleasant post office because it's a piece of shit um, because there's 7 million people over there. I like the Sullivan's Island one because usually if I get there, there's nobody there. So what I'm getting at is this morning I went, I went Instagram live and I was through the conversation, I was like, I got to, I got to run to the post office and deliver some books that people ordered. And I got hit with an influx. And so now I got to send out 10 more signed copies. Um, people were DMing me, Hey, I want to sign a copy. I want to sign a copy. So I'm signing books and getting those in the mail today. And then going back to my farm, I'm going to give it, give it a go. going to give it a try. I got to do a couple of little repairs to my tractor and I'm going to go get in my happy place. And then I'm going to come back this weekend and get ready um, for a kid's, not my kid's, but another kid's birthday party. And I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I was, I was actually going to wait until after that birthday party to go to my farm. But this is me practicing what I preach. I know if I don't go and get my head right right now, that I will be miserable at that birthday party around a bunch of screaming kids, a bunch of fucking adults I have nothing in common with. A bunch of people doing the whole keep up with the Joneses, a bunch of meaningless conversation. I won't, my head will not be right. And I will, what my old staff sergeant used to say, I will want to click the fuck off safe and stomp a mud hole in somebody's fucking chest. So I'm not going to do that. What I am going to do, however, comma, is I'm going to go to my farm tonight and tomorrow and I'm going to get right. And I'm going to go decompress not that I'm jacked up right now or anything but I'm going to go there because I know that's part of my my maintenance this this journey of life that we're on to try to live our best life I know what I need and I know what I what when I don't have that I'm fucked up so I'm going to go get it and I'm going to go enjoy the shit out of it and I'm going to sit on that porch and I'm going to watch the deer come out in the morning I'm going to have some coffee I'm going to go cut some grass. I'm going to work on my tractor a little bit. And then I'm going to come back and sing happy fucking birthday to some kids. And I'm going to watch them in their jump castle make a bunch of noise. And you know what? And Travis is going to be just fine. Because Travis 
is going to be selfish and do something for himself, what he needs. And I'm going to go ahead and say it like this. Your mental health is more important than your career, money, other people's opinions, that event you said that you wouldn't attend or that you would attend, your partner's mood, and your family's wishes combined. If taking care of yourself means letting someone down, then let someone down. Let that sink in. If you got to let people down to take care of your mental health, then fucking do it. See, my problem was I I didn't understand that for so long. I was so worried about taking care of everybody else. I was destroying myself. And I wasn't being selfish enough. I thought... Man, if I do this, if I go buy this farm, if I get this tractor, I'm being selfish and other people are doing without because of me. You know what? Then that's what needs to fucking happen. And I make no apologies for it anymore. Yeah, I'm a selfish motherfucker when it comes to my mental health. And I'm going to do every goddamn thing I can to make sure my mental health is correct. Because you know why? Because I'm a better human being when I am selfish. I'm a better human being. I'm a better friend, a father, husband. I'm a better everything when I'm selfish. And when I take care of my damaged mental health there, go do something selfish for yourself. Don't listen. Don't go take out a goddamn home equity line of credit and go to Vegas. Please don't do that. I'm not encouraging that kind of stupid behavior. Y'all going to be like, y'all going to go, you're flying to Vegas. You're going to show up like, it don't mean nothing, bitches. Let it ride on black. Bam. Uh, Yeah, that would mean something. That would mean you're a fucking idiot. Don't do that. But go do something. Take some time for yourself. I saw a girl I follow on Instagram the other day, a dispatcher. Well, not the other day. It was a little while back. And I saw her. She posted a, uh, um, She made a post about she was walking in the woods somewhere along a trail. And it made me smile because you know what? I knew what she was doing. She was getting away from the noise, decompressing a little bit because she deserves it. And you deserve it too. If I haven't told you guys... Everybody listening to this means something to me. I may never meet you in person. I may never shake your hand in person because I don't see you. But it doesn't mean that I don't appreciate you. I really do from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much for all the support and the continued support. I love you all. Have a good one.